360 degrees. Ha ha, 360 degrees. Ha ha, 306, 306, 360 degrees. Ha ha. Hey, hey, good evening, everyone, and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine, produced by members of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. This show is written, produced, and is broadcasting live from Huchin, occupied Ohlone territory, known to settlers as the Bay Area. Now, with homelessness on the rise in the Bay Area, tonight we'll take a look at what some people are doing to stand up for our unhoused brothers and sisters. On tonight's show, we'll, took, we'll take a look at what is happening to and for our unhoused brothers and sisters in Antioch with a conversation between homeless advocates and members of the Antioch City Council. And we'll also learn about Stand Down on the Delta 2019, a four-day event designed to get struggling and in-need veterans critical assistance. That's tonight on Full Circle. I am your host, Freewell and Franklin. Stay tuned. All right. Good evening, everyone, and welcome again to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM KPFA in Berkeley. Also, don't forget KPFA.org. I'm your host tonight, Freewell and Franklin, and I'll start out with veterans. Uh, Veterans face a variety of challenges returning from active duty to civilian life. Many times they fall through the cracks and can end up on the streets. But there are people doing something to help in what ways they can. One of those people is J.R. Wilson of the Delta Veterans Group. J.R. is one of the driving forces behind Stand Down on the Delta 2019. And I spoke with him earlier this week at the VFW Post 6435 in Antioch. Greetings and welcome to Full Circle, everyone. Tonight, we will be talking about the upcoming Stand Down on the Delta 2019. And the Stand Down is a four-day gathering for homeless and in-need veterans designed to help them with critical needs such as medical, dental, vision, mental health and wellness, and much, much more. And it's returning to the Contra Costa County Fairgrounds this September in Antioch. And according to the website, TheMilitaryWallet.com, one out of 10 people that are experiencing homelessness are veterans. That means there are an estimated 67,495 veterans on the streets, in shelters, or living in their cars at any given time across this country. Returning to the KPFA airwaves tonight is J.R. Wilson. He is the past state commander of the Disabled American Veterans Department of California and is also the co-founder and president of the Delta Veterans Group based right here in Antioch. Welcome back to Full Circle, J.R. Thank you, Frank. And let's start with some history on you yourself, J.R. Um, you have a backstory that kind of goes along with what we're talking about tonight. Tell us about your past experiences and why helping homeless and in-need veterans became so important to you. 
Sure. I grew up in the local area. I was um, in high school. I made some bad decisions. I was homeless uh, throughout uh, my high school years, uh, living on the street. Uh, I had to know where the bathrooms were, the, gar- uh, the gas stations that had open bathrooms. Um, I slept in cars. I slept underneath uh, highway overpasses um, on Cavallo and other places throughout Antioch and Pittsburgh, uh, dugouts uh, at the LMC baseball fields and stuff like that. Uh, as I said, I made some bad decisions. I was lucky enough that our community did policing, uh, community policing, uh, meaning that I got dropped off at uh, my parents' house uh, and stuff like that. So I was able to go into the military in 1990. I uh, got injured uh, through being airborne in the military and in, in the army. And in 1994, I was discharged uh, with a disability. I started working for the Disabled American Veterans, found out about stand downs uh, as I was a supervisor in San Diego. And when I came back to my local area in 2011, I noticed that the homeless population had had grown and we decided to form the Delta Veterans Group uh, for the sole purpose of bringing Contra Costa County its first homeless veteran stand down in the year of 2015. Since then, we have done every odd year um, as Alameda County with the East Bay stand down does the even years. Explain to listeners what a stand down is for people that don't know in military terms and how they related that to a stand down that you're talking about. Absolutely. That is a military term from a, a combat units that are out in combat. Uh, they go out for three, four days, a week at a time, and then they come back to a safe environment where they, that's where they can take their showers, they get their haircuts, they could open and look mail, uh, look at the mail and stuff like that that they've received from loved ones. So in the mid 80s, uh, the Vietnam veterans in San Diego decided to go ahead and get the homeless veterans and create that safe environment, that stand-down environment for them, and that's where they get all those services um, that we provide. And so, uh, again, in 2015, we brought the first stand-down for military homeless veterans and at-risk veterans for the Contra Costa County. Tell us kind of briefly, like, some of the struggles that returning soldiers might face when they're coming back and where they may need to attend one of the, the stand downs we're speaking of tonight. Absolutely. There's uh, obviously there's financial um, problems uh, that they have. Uh, there's educational problems. There's also mental health conditions that they have. Um, oftentimes uh, we talk about uh, Susie and Johnny uh, going to war and coming back as John and Sue. And that family has an issue uh, kind of with that because there's a new normal right there's a new normal so moms often oftentimes why well, I, I know how to fix uh, Johnny we just got to get Johnny or Susie back to being Johnny and Susie right well that's they, they haven't accepted their new normal so oftentimes they get excommunicated from the family um, and stuff like that and then you compound that with PTSD depression uh, other mental health issues along with the inability to sit in a class environment for the education and stuff like that so what we want to do is really get that veteran to feel like they're part of a community again so then they can use the stand down for a stand up and and start uh, getting back into their communities. Well, let's talk about some of the services that are offered at the event, the stand down. Kind of run through the list of what you're offering and, you know, what you're excited about this year. Sure. Uh, We have full um, medical that's coming from the VA outpatient clinic in Martinez, as well as nurses from John Muir and Sutter Delta. Uh, We also have the 163rd Medical Battalion out of San Pablo coming for the nighttime uh, coverage. Uh, This year, uh, we have 15 dentists coming from Healing, California. And if you remember, Frank, in 2017, we only had two dentists and they were able to do $40,000 worth of dental care. So you could multiply that out to, to, to 15 
amazing dentist. You can imagine the, the services that we're going to be able to provide as far as dental goes and, and medical. We also have NAMI um, coming out for mental health as well as the Contra Costa County the health services as well as the VA for, for the mental health um, component of that. We also have vision. Vision is being provided by the Alliance Club. That's one of their big pushes is, is vision. So they'll be there um, conducting that. We'll also have DMV there. We'll also have the Alameda uh, Supreme Court judges there conducting court for Alameda residents. As you know, we get uh, veterans from Con- uh, San Francisco, Contra Costa County, and Alameda and Solano counties as well. And then Contra Costa County court system, since they already have a veterans treatment court established in Contra Costa County, they will have legal uh, representatives there interviewing uh, veterans that have issues in Contra Costa County for future dates with the uh, Veterans Treatment Court. They get new clothing. They get new shirts. They get haircuts. Um, we're going to ha- take them roller skating. We, we have a car show. We take them uh, fishing as well. Part of the reason why we do the skating, the fishing, and the car show is because we really want them to feel like they're part of the community again, Frank. You know, they, when they're in the military and they're active duty, we belong to a, uh, we have a camaraderie. We belong with our brothers and our sisters. And when we get out of that um, environment, oftentimes that that camaraderie breaks down. So we want to give them a community um, that includes even having a library, right? The Contra Costa County Library is going to be out there, and they'll be able to uh, uh, download books through their phone and different things like that. We have internet set up for them as as well. Um, we have f- full housing. Uh, we have a big thing that we're doing this year, Frank, is we're putting a bigger emphasis on employment. So Opportunity Junction and Shelter, Inc. are going to be conducting an employment fair where they'll be bringing in employers to actually get these veterans hired right there on the spot. And then we also have Joshua Samuel from the professional addresses coming in and he's going to be really conducting an empowerment program that's a four-day empowerment program. So when they get there, when that veteran gets there on Friday, they're going to be told the tools that they're going to be getting for their toolbox, right? And then Saturday and Sunday, they'll be taught how to use those tools, how to perfect their resumes, how to get a social media presence, how to get a, a an internet uh, website page, just a page, not the, not the extended version of a website, but just that page. And so when you go see an employer or a a future employer, you can be able to give them a, a website that will have all of your information on there. I know Joshua wants to take a picture of the veteran as well and put it there so you not only get that resume, but you'll be able to see that person that you're hiring, that veteran that you're hiring to make your, your organization better. And then Sunday night, we tell them, hey, this is, we taught, we gave you the tools, we showed you how to use them, now we want you to stand up. So it goes back to that we're having to stand down so they can stand up. We want that they serve their community by, or they serve their country by serving the, the military. Now we want them to serve their community. So we're going to give them that firm foundation of tools and be able to stand up and, and, and move out into the community and be a productive part. Ron, and we know we have featured Opportunity Junction here on Full Circle in the past. Great organization, Absolutely. along with all those other organizations you mentioned. Well, um, this is Full Circle. I'm your host, Freeland Franklin. I'm speaking with J.R. Wilson of the Delta Veterans Group, who's talking to us about the 2019 stand down, which is happening right here in Contra Costa County coming up in this September. So we haven't went through the dates yet, so we'll go through the dates. And then after you tell us the dates, who is this open to? Men, women, the LGBT community, um, people that might have special needs or already disabled. And then talk about the pet aspects. I know the pet aspect is very big. 
Sure, absolutely. So the dates um, for the for the participant are going to be September 20th, which is a Friday, through the Monday, which is September 23rd. However, for the public, we need setup and teardown help. So we need volunteers. And that setup starts September 17th, which is a Tuesday. Um, we'll be feeding the volunteers as well. So we got T-Mobile coming out for Taco Tuesday. Uh, we have home, Hometown Heroes coming out on Wednesday for barbecue. And so if they volunteer, they'll be able to have a, a good meal and stuff like that. Um, the aspect of transportation, um, too. So we have three forms of transportation. We have the, the single veteran, uh, just the, the veteran and their family that don't ha- doesn't have a pet, may- they don't have mobility issues. The first student is donating the busing system for that. So we get nine buses. I'm going to give a little shout out to first student because we get that so for so so cheap. And, and the drivers actually fight over who's going to volunteer to pick up our veterans. I mean, they love it. They absolutely love it. So the drivers go drop off the kids first, you know, at school, and then they go out through San Francisco, Alameda County, Contra Costa County to our prearranged pickup sites, and they pick up those veterans. And then we have other busing that come and pick up the pet, um, and that's through Contra Costa Animal Rescue Team. Uh, Peg Gardner and her team have a great team, so they, they go out and pick up the pets. And then we have wheelchair accessible vans um, provided by the VA that go pick up our veterans that are in, in wheelchairs as, as well. So we have uh, the transportation squared away, and, and we welcome we welcome uh, the LBGT transgender veterans as well. They are our brothers, our sisters, all that. The only thing I care about is did you serve your country, right? So even if you have an honorable or a, a, a an honorable under an under general, um, there's a whole bunch of different types of discharge. We want to serve you, all right? And um, briefly, just touch on the pets. So when you do get the pets there, what's it like for the pets at the stand down? Absolutely. The pets get a stand down as well, right? How can you separate that pet that is given that veteran the unconditional love? You know, it goes back to Susie and Johnny, right? So when all that dynamic goes down in the family, oftentimes they turn to the street and they get a pet because that's unconditional love. So how can we separate? We cannot. We cannot. It didn't take, it took a split second, no separation. That's what we're going to do. And again, Contra Costa County, I'm animal rescue team came in so they house them right there on site and that veteran has access to their animal can they take them to common areas no but we get the whole fairground so we've set up walking areas for them they if they need to lay down by their pet they get to lay down by their pet um, they get a full style they get medical for that animal they get a chip if they want a chip in that animal um, and that chip uh, we did that in 2015 and 2017 you'd be surprised how many animals get you know, escape or, or, or get lost uh, being in the homeless uh, dynamic, right? Or even if they, they may get hit by a car, that ship has, has reunited um, animals already with their, with their owners. So they get a full spot. It's a resort, right? It's an absolute, fully inclusive resort. The only thing we is we ask that veteran to stay there on site for those four days to, so we can create that community to help other veterans as well. So there's no coming and going from this environment. That's a safety issue, right? Absolutely. It, it, once we get the veteran there, we do ask the veteran to stay on site. And part of that is for safety, yes, as you as you mentioned. The other part is that it's a clean and sober environment. So if we have veterans coming and going, that's going to probably put a disruption in there. And at that point in time, I have no tolerance because I have to represent that veteran that's there for that clean, sober, safe environment. Um, and so we do that, yeah people have to register for this event they can show up on the day that it starts talk about real quick the registration process and the 
the easy way that you guys created to register? Absolutely. Veterans can go pre-register at any of the VA sites that are here in San Francisco, Alameda County, and Contra Costa County. That's the VA Outpatient Clinic in Martinez. Um, both clinics there in Oakland and the downtown clinic in San Francisco. They could also register at the Bay Area Rescue Mission as well. Um, they can go to Tabora Gardens if they're locally here in Antioch and they're housed at Tabora Gardens. They could register there. But new to the registration, the pre-registration, is that we have Ernst & Young um, Financial. They help us with the intake in 2017 they kind of looked at that paper system and said this is kind of archaic right so we agreed with that and now we have the east bay stand down stand down on the delta and north bay stand down all on one site and that website is norcalstanddowns.com.com not not org but com and if the veteran has their a copy of their discharge paperwork that can be their dd214 that can be their va card or that could be some other form that is issued to them that verifies their veteran status if they can upload that they can go to the the website norcalstanddowns.com create a username and a password and actually register themselves and upload that form that'll go into a pending file then we have the county veteran service office verify that veteran status and then they are registered so there's two ways they can do it the old-fashioned way by going to the VA and doing pre-registration or they can just pull out their smartphone upload their documentation and register themselves as well and you mentioned earlier that if someone happens to not register but has proof that they served, they could show up on the, on the location and get in as long as they can prove that they are a veteran. Absolutely. So they could pre-register and do online registration up until September 12th. However, we don't want to turn people away. So if they have their documentation that proves their status, their veteran status, um, then we will allow them to go there on the, the day of the event, which is September 20th, which is a Friday. And then we will we'll register them there as as well. Okay, thank you, sir. You talked about volunteers. Tell us again about what the volunteers do and um, how they could register too. Is that the same site to register for volunteering? Um, volunteering is done by going to deltaveteransgroup.org. And there's a big red button that says, I want to volunteer. So they just simply go to deltaveteransgroup.org, click on the big red button, and that's going to go to iVolunteers website, and they're going to get a list of different categories that they can volunteer in. It's going to pop up a bunch of different time schedules that they can fit their, their self into. So if they find a time slot that fits for them, they're going to click on that time slot, and then it's going to ask them for their name and what organization they're with, phone number, email. We need about 1,300 volunteers. Um, so there's plenty of spots. If they're a service provider, the service provider button is still at deltaveteransgroup.org right below the I volunteer sign. And right below it is going to be a service provider button. They would simply click on that, and then that's going to also take them to the I volunteer website, but a different part of that, and where they can click on the different categories that they want to provide service. That can be wellness. That can be mental health. That can be uh, if they're a doctor. If they're a doctor, they sign up, and then they go through a certification process. So what's the best way for family and friends to share this information? Um, I may not be a veteran, but I may know some friends. How do I get them to um, be able to find the information? Um, is there Facebook pages or sure. how do people spread the word? Sure. We do have a Facebook page. We have a couple phases. We have Delta Veterans Group um, uh, 
Facebook page, and we also have a Stand Down on the Delta 2019 Facebook page, as well as our websites. But what we'd like to do is, if you know, if you belong to a church or a congregation, maybe a nonprofit, then we want you to share that. Share the website. Share how do you register. Get them to go there. Uh, come as groups. You know, find a, a spot that you want to volunteer that has multiple open spots and then sign up as a team. Anything. We have uh, flyers on online that you can download and, and put them up for us. But uh, it is a great event. It's how oftentimes we hear, how can I serve the veterans community? Well, this is that event. This is it. This is how you can serve that veterans community, especially those veterans that are in a special, uh, that, that need our, our help the most. So give us the dates of the event one more time, um, volunteering and the actual event itself. For volunteering, that that includes the setup and teardown. That's going to be from September 17th through September 25th. The actual event itself for participants is September 20th through September 23rd. And that's the voice of J.R. Wilson of the Delta Veterans Group and one of many organizers of Stand Down on the Delta 2019. And just a reminder that we'll have the links to all those websites, um, how to get registered, how to volunteer on our website, which is kpfaapprentice.org. kpfaapprentice.org. J.R., thanks for rejoining us on Full Circle again. Thank you, Frank. It's always a pleasure. Hey, 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 welcome back. Um, That was my conversation with J.R. Wilson of the Delta Veterans Group. The website, again, for more information is kpfaapprentice.org. And in just a moment, we're going to take a music break. But before we do, we have a special ticket giveaway. These tickets are for Tent City, the story of Cicero Jacobs, a loving father and husband who falls deep into depression and mental collapse after his wife dies from cancer. Tent City highlights the impact of unprocessed grief and mental health and the toll that gentrification has taken on the city of Oakland. The film shows September 24th. 6 to 8 p.m. as part of the Oakland International Film Festival. Callers 3, 4, and 5 will each get a pair of tickets. The number to call is 510-848-4425. That's 510-848-4425 for your pair of tickets to see Tent City in Oakland. Now stay tuned. After the break, we will have a roundtable discussion with two members of the Antioch City Council and two advocates who serve the unhoused folks in Antioch. Bear with shame in his eyes 
people. Welcome back. You're listening to Full Circle on KPFA 94.1 FM. And that was What It's Like by Everlast. Up next, we'll hear a discussion with two members of the Antioch City Council and a couple of advocates from Antioch discussing what is happening with our unhoused brothers and sisters in Antioch. Antioch, like many cities, has seen a rise in the numbers of unhoused people in the city. And adding to the problem is the ever-rising cost of housing and the limited supply of affordable places to move. Currently, Antioch has the highest number of unhoused people in Contra Costa County at about 360, according to the 2019 point-in-time count by the county. Uh, We also have a high number of kids classified as homeless in the Antioch Unified School District coming in at 350 to 400 kids. Now, these kids could be couch surfing at friends' houses, staying with relatives, or be on the street, but they are considered unhoused. Um, Let's listen to this conversation. This is Franklin here for Full Circle. Let me welcome my guest. On my right, we have Nicole Gardner from Facing Homelessness in Antioch. Next to her is Ashley Mahan of Urban Upreach, and they both work in the community um, offering services, uh, food, necessities to the homeless community. And over here on my left, I have Councilmember Lamar Thorpe and Mayor Pro Tem uh, Joy Motts. How you all doing today? Great. Great. Everyone's doing great. That's great. Thank you all for coming tonight and having this conversation about what's happening with the homelessness in Antioch and our unhoused brothers and sisters, as we like to use the term. And I'm going to start with the advocates over here, Nicole and Ashley, because you all work directly with people on the streets, people living in their cars. Um, What is it that you are hearing from our unhoused brothers and sisters? You know, what are some of the needs of the people that are out there on the streets, in their cars, in the hidden encampments of Antioch? Let's start with uh, Nicole. Well, the short term would be uh, basically the showers, porta potties, more dumpsters downtown. She's she got a pause. Ashley, how about you? What are you seeing as like the immediate needs right now on the streets? The immediate needs on the street would be a safe place for people to park, and really uh, be able to get a good night's sleep. That would be the the, the first thing, and the thing that would make a, a big difference in the community. So what? What we talked about um, as we met in the past is like a safe place to um, just to be, to park a car or vehicle, maybe even to pitch a tent. Um, Obviously, a place to get showered and cleaned up. I've been out in the streets um, visiting with a lot of homeless people. I got friends that are homeless. You know, uh, I think we could all agree that we need some sort of mental health services out on the streets. What are you seeing as the services that are available in Antioch? Can we get shelter during the rain and uh, stay cool when it's hot? Nicole? As far as shelters go, I know we do have one shelter in um, Antioch that is for, I believe, the mentally ill. Um, I believe it sleeps 20. Basically, that's the only shelter that we do have in Antioch. Lamar or uh, Joy, what we have, the library that will offer cooling. What do we got for some sort of resource? What do we have now? You know, the cooling centers and and the warming centers, they're open to everybody. And so if we're talking specifically about those who are unhoused, There are a host of services that you can get connected to that are outside of our location. So that makes it uh, extremely difficult for folks to get to where they need to. That's why we have core teams from the county that come out here and connect folks. We have Health Right 360, who's working with those who have had previous convictions for nonviolent offenses who can get connected to services. Uh, But again, the services are not necessarily here in our region, uh, let alone in our our city. So uh, in terms of services, uh, they're going to be limited. 
as it relates to getting people off the streets. So in, in town, in Antioch, there is nowhere to go to seek shelter. Is that correct? Yeah, I would say that was that's correct. I think what we've seen is really in Antioch for a long time, not that we didn't have homeless here years ago, but um, like other communities across the state and the nation, you know, we've seen a large increase in our unhoused population. And by the way, I just want to say some people were talking, I think, yesterday about um, us using the word unhoused for um, our homeless residents. But this is not a term that we made up. This is something that, you know, uh, the Oakland mayor and San Francisco mayor and many people have used in referring to um, their residents. And I think it's really just kind of, you know, to put a human face on this. You know, when you speak of homeless, it really doesn't talk about that. These are actually your residents in your community that, unfortunately, for one, one reason or the other, are in a situation where they don't have shelter. Needless to say, the population, the homeless population has grown over the years and, and, you know, it's become really a humanitarian crisis. And I think we talked about this last night, also a public health crisis because a lot of them are living in our creeks and um, and then an economic development crisis, too, because they're, you know, affecting our ability to really, you know, a lot of our businesses, especially in downtown, are affected by this. So um, so there's just a real lack of services, unfortunately. And, um, and this is the reason why Lamar and I formed the task force was really to try to figure out as a city uh, what we could do. Uh, homeless services are typically completely come from the county, but uh, they're not in a position to really do anything. And, and Antioch, like other cities, is having to find different ways to be able to address the, these issues. And in, and in the face of everything she just described, uh, I think residents, we did polling and, and this was a, the number three concern for residents throughout Antioch is addressing this issue. What has become uh, apparent to me that even with that type of support, there are, still, there are still elected officials who just lack the understanding, lack the compassion uh, to really face this head on. We have close to 400 unhoused residents attending AUSD schools. And one of our school district members, Diane Gibson Gray, I guess found it funny to address those young people as that. I ran into Mary Rocha at National Night Out, and she talked about uh, how, well, those students who are unhoused, those homeless kids, you know, they're not all homeless. We just have to call them homeless. And I think this is what we're up against. This is what the community is up against. Ill-informed elected officials who are adding fuel to the fire in a narrative that, that, uh, that frankly, uh, isn't the case. And so it's not just about providing the services. It's not just about getting people housing in terms of what Joy and I are trying to do. It's also about turning the political narrative and creating the political courage to get something done and to embrace the issue that exists in front of your face. That's why um, I really appreciate it. And I think everybody does the, um, the work that you did with the task force that we're going to talk about in just a minute and where you went out and saw and um, what you brought back from that. But let's move on a little bit and I'll give you a chance to talk about what you did as part of that task force. Um, let me get back to Ashley and Nicole over here because... One thing that had me jumping up and down last night, and you started touching on it, was the policing factor. Like, how are we policing the um, our homeless community, our unhoused brothers and sisters on the streets? Personally, I've seen the crackdown um, by the police. I've come home. I work at night. I've been out at 11 o'clock coming home from work and see um, the police with a homeless group over by the railroad tracks, over by um, Wells Fargo, Jack in the Box. And you talked about it, Lamar, last night that we're, we're kind of pushing them block to block, corner to corner. Um, we're using phrases like out of sight, out of mind until that out of sight spot is just not cutting it anymore. And then there's a huge um, encampment cleanup or something similar to that. Uh, I think it's, it's important to keep in context that 
in terms of the city itself, we always approach this from an enforcement standpoint. So that means if you're on our street sleeping, you know, that's that's against our code. If you're camping in a private property uh, and it's not designated for camping, we're going to we're going to approach it from an enforcement standpoint because that's kind of how policy has been written so far. Obviously, we'll probably take a different approach uh, depending on what direction the council wants to take. Let's ask our advocates here, Nicole and Ashley. Have you felt like there's been a crackdown on our unhoused brothers and sisters out there, Ashley, of Urban Upreach? This July, um, I, I noticed it significantly where I could say that I can see what's going on. You know, I was there within you know, minutes, Nicole and I both, of when um, our unhoused brothers and sisters after making contact with the police and the things that they were saying and crying. I'm like, why are you crying? What's the matter? What, what was said to you? And the words were uh, clearly inappropriate and um, just degrading. And I know that uh, that is not taught in the police academy on how to speak to the most fragile population in the community. And anytime I believe that officers um, speak that way, it's a clear indication that they're burnt out and there's not balance in their life. Because if you have to go to somebody who is unhoused and speak in that manner as a, posi- a person in a position of power, it's time to find a different um, task force for you to belong to. Nicole, what have you seen out there um, as far as it comes to the policing aspect? You know, what have you noticed, Nicole? I'm just going off of what I've heard. I haven't witnessed this myself, but there are actually two uh, officers that have like the homeless outreach out here in Antioch, and they deal specifically with the homeless. One of the officers, Officer Linderman, I've heard his name over and over and over. And I will add that I that name comes up as um, a not pleasant name um, with all the people I've spoke to. Go ahead. Right. And uh, like I said, once again, I haven't witnessed this myself, but I have heard from many people that he basically gives the homeless a really hard time. One guy even told me when speaking about him said that, you know, all the other officers are really cool. Even said that Officer Summers was a really good guy. And Linderman was the only one that made him feel like he wanted to jump in front of a train. I feel like, I don't know why I'm getting a little emotional right now, but we've also been told that since we've been advocating over the months, it's gotten worse. You know, the homeless have mentioned that. Of course, you know, they've been told to leave, but with the 24-hour notices and things like that, but it's just excessive now. It's, um, and one officer, from what I heard, um, even mentioned, like, these effing advocates, you know, so someone heard him say that. So, yeah, I definitely think it's um, getting worse. Okay, um, so what did you guys, um, City Council, Lamar or Joy, how do you see the policing aspect? Like I said, you mentioned last night the City Council meeting, which I think was a great uh, meeting for the report that you gave. But um, as you mentioned, if there's a call, someone's going to be dealt with. But I've been hearing a lot on the streets about, I could just call it harassment is what they feel like, people feel like. Um, I tried to record people, but they didn't want to speak about the police on tape and just so I could play it for you all and you could have it firsthand. Um, but what do you see as the policing aspect well, you know, if I uh, went to a group of people who, uh, uh, who the police responded to and they were house residents, I'm sure that they would say similar things, that they felt harassed and whatever. Uh, and so I, I just have to emphasize again that the police respond to behavior. 
So whether you're housed or unhoused or you're just driving through Antioch, if your behavior uh, is outside the confines of the law, the police is, someone's going to inevitably call the police and the police is going to come uh, and deal with that individual. I can tell you firsthand, Joy and I were at Starbucks having one of our planning meetings uh, and there was what appeared to be, I don't know if they were housed or unhoused, but they, 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 they had the appearance of what I thought someone who was living out on the streets. Uh, and he was sitting there, and he was kind of knocked out, and, and he he was touching himself. I'm not sure he realized he was touching himself, but he was touching himself. And eventually, the, the, the Starbucks employees got fed up, and they, they called the police. Uh, the police come, and they were, they were brand new officers. They clearly didn't know who Joy and I were. Uh, we were sitting there, um, and they did their job in the most respectful way. So I've can only speak to what I've seen, and I've seen our police officers conduct themselves in, in a way that, that, that I would expect as a, as a council person, as someone who, who is, who's accountable to the public for their behavior. Um, did Joy, did you want to add anything to that? I have complete respect for our chief of police, uh, Tammany Brooks, and, um, and the type of police department he runs. You know, it's really about um, respect for all residents and about developing relationships, relationships and community. So um, I know that's how his expectation of the, the officers at or in Antioch. And, um, and I, I know I... It sounds like some of these things are hearsay and all, and it may there may be a, a complaint that was filed by something else, and maybe sometimes you don't know what happened prior to that. So, but I, I do know that um, the set team officers and the police officers are trying to uh, operate with compassion. Uh, but I think they also know that we, as a council, are also working on this. You know, so we're trying to really find solutions to this. And so I'm hopeful as we go forward that you know these situations won't won't. Um, come about as much because we're going to have um, better places for them to go and um, a different situation where possibly you know these kind of interactions are not happening so yeah with if, the- I, if i can add just one more point only because i just want to be, be clear about that in saying all that i can only encourage that if if folks do feel uh the way uh, miss gardner and miss mayhan have described that you should absolutely report that or whether you report it to the police department and have it go through their formal complaint process or report it to a council member, you need to report that or else we'll never know. Definitely. And all we can do is go ba- go on what we have seen. Definitely. So great advice is um, get a name, um, possible badge number if you have to, and then file an official report. Otherwise, no one ever knows. Nicole wanted to add one last thing before we really, move on. Really quick. With the incident or one of the incidents that I was talking about that happened downtown, I actually you know, was upset enough to actually go to the police department and file a complaint. You know, I turned it in and it's still been a month. I actually called a couple weeks later, um, left a message for the chief of police. I was trying to request a meeting with Officer Summers and maybe the chief. And as of it's been about a month, I still have not heard anything um, from that office, from the police department. All right. Uh, we're about to move on, but let me remind everyone we're listening to Full Circle right here on 94.1 KPFA in Berkeley. I'm speaking with um, two members of the Antioch City Council, uh, Mayor Pro Tem Joy Motts, uh, Lamar Thorpe over here, City Councilman, and two homeless advocates, Nicole Gardner of uh, Facing Homelessness in Antioch and Ashley Mahan, who runs Urban Upreach. And so... Before we move on and let you guys talk about like your experiences with the Homeless Task Force, the City Council, uh, I understand that we recently lost a couple of our homeless community. Do you want to, um, can you share their names? I believe um, one was might have even been a suicide um, downtown. So just so we could put it out in the air and put a name to these people, do you guys, can you say who we've lost? 
Uh, yeah, we had, within the uh, last six months, um, we've had, as far as I know, three people die on the streets. Jimmy was one. He was over in the Summersville area. I knew him pretty well. He was pretty sick, uh, left Sutter, and then um, basically was just back on the streets sick, and, um, and he passed away. Kelly, she also was, like, in that Summersville area also. I actually did a surprise for her and her husband when I first started my outreach, did, like, a little uh, anniversary Valentine's Day a hotel room for them. She was a really cool lady, um, and she passed away also. And then lastly, uh, just as of Ashley, a couple weeks ago, yeah. um, Jonathan committed suicide downtown in the downtown area. So I just kind of wanted to add that just so we could kind of feel like, you know, what's happening? There's people dying on our streets. And I um, understand from your presentation that you, um, the council, know that this is, um, we have immediate needs here. Before I move on, Ashley, did you want to say something about the people that we lost? I just wanted to say that mentioning uh, the people that we lost, that this is the reality of life on the streets. And the people that are homeless are often faceless. And, you know, they they pass in the wind. And... Um, and are forgot about, and it's um, it's unacceptable, really. And and nobody should die on the streets, uh, forgotten and and just as if they didn't exist. It's horrible. Well, I want to thank you guys for um, kind of bringing the. Um their personalities to light through the Facebook and stuff. But we only got about 10 minutes left, so I want to move on to Councilmember Thorpe and um, Mayor Pro Tem Joy Motts about what the work they've been doing because they spent, I believe it's the last six months, exploring what's happening with our unhoused brothers and sisters in town, uh, went to different facilities around the Bay Area. So briefly, in a nutshell, can you guys just tell us what you did, some of the places you went, and then we could talk about you know what you saw, the immediate needs on the streets. Um, we'll start with you, uh, you Lamar. Right. So we specifically went and visited encampments here in Antioch, some down here in the Rivertown uh, community, and Joy ran into one of her high school classmates who was out there on the streets. We visited the San Francisco Navigation Center just to get an idea of how that works. The food bank, loaves and fishes, uh, the Concord Shelter, the Concord Care Center, the Trinity Care Center, the Dream Center out in Bethel Island for those who are uh, recovering from their addiction. But more importantly, every individual we met out there, for the exception of one or two, had experienced homelessness uh, either in Antioch or in East Contra Costa County. Uh, and then, of course, we had a lot of follow-up meetings with, with, with the Lavana Martin from the county. And, uh, and then we conducted our, our, our four-part series. We kind of touched on the four-part series a little bit. I mean, we don't want to get too in-depth, but basically you invited the community to give feedback. And so what was the four-part thing? These meetings could have all been done between me and Joy, and we wanted to open this up to the public and make it as transparent as possible so that they not believe that we were just out there making decisions or recommendations that we felt were best. I thought what you saw last night was a reflection of what the community wanted, not necessarily what Joy and I wanted. There are elements of what we all wanted, but nothing in there was specific to Joy or me, or it was all the community coming together uh, to provide recommendations. And so that was the point of the first series where we heard from all these different, from our departments, uh, the county, uh, the school district, et cetera. Uh, and then we kind of came back and then we took all that information and then we started talking through, well, how do we solve these issues? We identified three specific public health concerns that needed that need to be addressed. Boom, list them real quick. The Human waste, needles, and uh, trash and debris. Uh, because the trash and debris impacts our waterways and our ability to pump water as a city to provide healthy, clean water to our residents. So figuring that out, we then took that to series four, where we were able to talk to with some, some of our department heads uh, to get some, uh, some ideas as to how we could 
either uh, implement some of these recommendations or navigate uh, our policies to make them happen, or if there are some ideas that just were not possible. And then there is a business roundtable where we spoke to business members, <coughs> business community members about uh, some of the impacts of encampments on their businesses. And more importantly, uh, something I had taken for granted, uh, their livelihood and how that how that impacts how this impacts their ability to earn a living definitely does when there's a lot of activity um unhoused people and congregating in your area and stuff that comes with that um joy you had a moment where you got a little emotional during the meeting last night what was it when you went out and did this that really touched you you know i could get emotional again because this has really been kind of a journey for us really eye-opening And we got to speak with a lot of individuals that are going through this still. You know, they're articulate and they're smart. There's structure within their homelessness. They protect each other. They help each other. I mean, it was just um, so much knowledge that we just didn't realize. You know, we have a tendency to just see these people and we kind of look at them with disdain and and walk by. And so that kind of changed, I think, for all of us during this process. I think for Lamar and and for even our city manager who participated a lot in this. And um, so last night when the Anyway, we started talking about this, I think, uh, and Lamar started talking, it just, it just kind of all came back to me. And I just, I, you know, the process was very emotional for all of us. And, and for me, you know, being a person who cries when frosty melts every year. So, um, so it doesn't take much, (laughs) but on the other hand too, I'm excited and thrilled that we are actually looking to try to do something to help people. I think that's our responsibility as city council people is to take care and protect our residents. And um, this is part of it. And it has consequences for, you know, everybody, as we talked about public health and our our business community. And um, so, you know, it's just, I think was long overdue. And um, I'm still hopeful, you know, after our presentation last night that, um, you know, things will come back to council and we'll be able to move forward as quickly as possible. So... Um, let me get quickly some of your short-term ideas. You know, we have, um, you identified immediate needs like shelter, you know, some mental health services. What are your um, immediate plans that, or what you what are you shooting for as far as short-term goals as, as a council? So, you know, Joy and I can only provide recommendations. And so the council will have to decide that at a, at a later time. I hope uh, sooner rather than later. And I hope they have the kind of urgency that they did uh, it seemed like myself, Joy, and, and Councilman Wilson were, were ready to move last night. Uh, and it seemed like uh, Mayor Wright and uh, Councilwoman Ogerchuk wanted to see other things and meet with the county and whatnot. They didn't share that same uh, sentiment when it came to moving uh, the World War II Memorial. And I wish they had that type of urgency. And I hope that they, over time, within the next couple of weeks until our next meeting, develop that urgency. But some of the things that we just need to get done is we got to get... Uh, We've got to get a few more porta potties out there. We've got to get mobile showers. We've got to get a laundry facility, whether we rent it out or, or do the mobile one. We've got to get people. We just have to give people their dignity. This is all this is. And I hate to get loud and, and angry about it and, and, and emotional, but I just I don't understand where we as human beings have forgotten that these people we call homeless that are faceless are human beings. And they, they have dignity. And all you have to do is walk out there and talk to some of these residents to understand who they are and, and, and stop acting as if they're just the, 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 the pit of the earth. And so we got to give them their dignity back when it comes to, to those basic necessities. But we also have to put them in, in housing because we know, and this is the biggest takeaway, where there have been a, every, everything that we've done in this whole process has been in learning. 
we've learned something new, but people aren't going to be able to put their lives back together if we just don't provide them the shelter. Lavana Martin can't do her job if people are not housed. Health Right 360 that partners with our police department can't do their job if people are not housed. And so that's what we, we got to hopefully come up with uh, what I think, who cares about the short term and the long term, what are we going to do? And that's we have to put people in homes. And so if we can put together unhoused resident uh, or excuse me, uh, transitional and permanent housing villages, whether it's through shipping containers that are refurbished or 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 the tiny tough home. huts, the tiny homes, whatever. We have to get people in a stable environment so that so that they they can put their lives back together. So that these close to 400 children that some of our school board members thinks it's funny to laugh at. Can and th- this is 400 in just Antioch Unified. In just Antioch Unified can learn. Listen, I used to be a classroom teacher. I know what happens when you don't come from a stable environment. These kids got to learn so that they can make something of themselves. And rather than laughing at them, we got to put them in, in some type of safe and secure shelter or housing. And so, like, desperate times, they really need some desperate measures. I've seen that the city of Oakland is proposing using the old jail as a um, shelter. And I think some of the ideas that have popped up from the community have been, like, using the old food co. Is there any big ideas um, that you guys are trying to field such as that? I think right now we need to adopt the the, the principles and the concepts rather than getting into a debate about what location, what neighborhood, what area. Because we can't let that be the distraction of the overall goal, which is we have to get people housed. And so that will also kind of be, if we move in this direction, kind of a process for all of us as a community to be involved in. I'm curious, um, you two both went through this big experience and it obviously touched you and um, opened your eyes and changed some of your opinions. Have you been able to get um, the other council members on board, especially um, the mayor, who recently had some controversy about his statements about not having a, um, a, a homelessness crisis, that we have a drug addiction and mental health crisis. And we all know that, you know, there's drugs out there. There's definitely mental health issues, but living on the streets can bring on drugs and it could bring on mental health issues, you know, trying to find a safe corner to, you know, to stay at night. Um, so I just want to, let me just add, you know, in all fairness, um, you know, this was the first time last night that our other council members, you know, um, her took in all this information. They didn't, they weren't on this journey with us. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, I think they just, you know, they need a little time to process on that. And um, uh, so my hope is I, 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 that we'll come back, you know, quickly with the next, you know, meeting and be able to make some decisions. Um, our recommendation was, you know, for us to have um, actually hire somebody, whether it be a consultant or staff, um, to really just kind of go through all this process. You know, how do we how do we meet these immediate needs? You know, how do we determine what's the best uh, transitional housing or, or, you know, what options do we have? What properties are available? What lands are we, can we make for RV parking? So um, that's something that really, you know, Lamar and I can't really do. We really need somebody who has that kind of expertise to, you know, do that. And we need that to happen quickly. But I think our council members will, you know, come around. It was a lot of information, I think, for everybody to take in last night. And, um, you know, and, and hopefully at our next meeting we'll be making some decisions on that and that's that's a that's a that's a fair point mm-hmm. and in addition to that some of our some of our colleagues uh claim to have been working on these issues for five years so uh after five years i hope that that urgency would develop
And I'm glad that you guys gave that great presentation, and I hope that you can, you know, get them to um, feel and see what you saw. And lastly, before we get some contact information and stuff, um, Nicole and Ashley, how do you feel about the presentation last night? Someone, um, people that have been fighting for porta potties, people have been fighting for a place to park, people that have been fighting to have some dumpsters out there. You know, this great presentation, this what they've the work that they've done. How does that leave your hope right now? You know, how are you feeling about? Um, going forward. Let's start with uh, Ashley. It leaves us hopeful. You know, I was very pleased to see that finally the city of Antioch is proactive instead of reactive. It's it's excellent, and I'm very happy about our future. Here. And Nicole, you've been out there, you've been to city council meetings, you've been, you know, in, in first-hand contact with people, um, our unhoused brothers and sisters on the streets. Um, after seeing the presentation and, like, stuff that you've been fighting for, how are you feeling right now with, you know, the way that the city is, you know, trying to go? I really am excited just to see the compassion that they showed up there. And uh, that's, you know, that's really important because, um, well, for me, it's really important to, because when I first started, I didn't really see that. You know, we go up there, we were fighting for different things and um, there's like no emotion. So you really didn't know how these people felt and about, you know, the, my cause that I'm like, that's so important and so and what I'm, you know, uh, passionate about. So it, that was a really good thing. So just seeing their expressions, that just let me know that I'm, I'm just so excited. I think that they're ready and they know that there is a big issue and that they don't agree with our mayor who think that homeless people are just drug addicts and have mental illness problems. So I'm very excited because people haven't really been open about that since that came about. And now I see that not all of them are, are the same. So I'm just so excited about what's going to happen. Me too. Um, Ashley, you had another thing you wanted to say? Last night when Mayor Pro Tem Motz was emotional speaking, I reached over to Nicole and I said, oh, that's, you know, that's us every day. You know, and, and not that I was happy to see you emotional, but I know you got it. <laughs> yeah. That's how we feel. And especially during, you know, the winter, I know that we go home at night and I, I stay up all night because I can't sleep mm -hmm. because my unhoused brothers and sisters are soggy and they're miserable and I have the luxury of a roof over my head mm -hmm. and it's hard mm -hmm. it's, it's really hard so I know that you got you got it right. and I saw that from you um, and, and yes, I, think, I think everybody um, whether they're as urgent or eager as myself and Council uh, Mott I think all of our, uh, our colleagues uh, get that it's not to defend anyone or you know but the mayor made his, his, his comments and you know they were disappointing but I think he's, he's genuinely come back to, to apologize and and he's gone out there and visited with folks and uh, and so I I, um, I I think I think we all have a genuine interest in, in trying to, to solve these problems that's great I mean I've got very excited about um, seeing what I saw last night and um, it was it's a good feeling to know that people are actually doing the work unfortunately we're running out of time right now uh, I've been speaking with council members Lamar Thorpe and uh, mayor pro tem Joy Motts um, from the Antioch City Council, and over here on my right, I've had two of the uh, advocates group that has been um, working for um, the dignity and the respect of the homeless community, um, Nicole Gardner of Facing Homelessness in Antioch, and Ashley Mahan of Urban Upreach. And I want to thank all my guests for making it um, down here tonight. Uh, today, we're at the Antioch Rivertown Resource Center right here in downtown Antioch, and thanks for speaking with me today. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. 
Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Full Circle, coming at you live from the studios of KPFA. That was my conversation with Nicole Gardner of Facing Homelessness in Antioch and Ashley Mahan of Urban Upreach, Inc. You can find them on Facebook at Facing Homelessness in Antioch and at Urban Upreach, Inc. We also heard from City Council members Lamar Thorpe and Mayor Pro Tem Joy Motts. They are also on Facebook at Council Member Lamar A. Thorpe and Mayor Pro Tem Joy Motts. And just a reminder, we will have links to all the websites and social media on our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just about 30 minutes to an hour after a show. And a couple quick reminders. First, let me give a shout-out to our ticket winners. Yay! Um, Joan, Dwayne, and Sherry all have won a pair of tickets to see Tent City as part of the Oakland International Film Festival. Also, if you're out there in Antioch, um, tomorrow, Nicole will be holding a picnic in the park. Um, it's the first annual Fun in the Sun picnic. If you're interested in what Nicole and Ashley are doing for our unhoused brothers and sisters, you could stop by the Antioch City Park tomorrow between 2 and 6 p.m. That's at the corner of A Street and 10th Street in Antioch. If you're from Antioch, you're probably familiar with that. So that's Fun in the Sun picnic tomorrow, 2 to 6 p.m. at the Antioch City Park. Come out and say hi to Nicole and Ashley and see some of the work that they're doing. Also, another reminder... Um, there's going to be an event tomorrow featuring Danny Glover. It's a community forum to keep the A's in East Oakland and out of the Port of Oakland. This event will be streamed live on KPFA tomorrow morning, um, kpfa.org tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. Just go to kpfa.org and click on the Danny Glover event leak. Uh, event link. <laughs> and we're just about running out of time. That brings us to the end of tonight's show tonight. Please, again, visit our website, kpfaapprentice.org. All the important links and all the archive shows will be there. And be sure to tune in next week at 7 p.m. for another episode of Full Circle. And until then, may you walk in peace, light, and love. And let me give a big shout out to everyone that helps make the show possible. That is our executive producer, Miss M. Myself, I'm Freewill and Franklin, your technical director. Joy Moore is our production consultant. And at the controls has been Kenny C. Thank you, Kenny C. And our tech assistant, uh, Theodora. Thank you, Theodora. And, um, of course, thank you all for joining us tonight on Full Circle. I have been your host, Freewill and Franklin. Stay tuned now. Loanda Bajita is coming up next.